Amen. All right, so what I'm, I have scriptures we're going to put on the screen. We're going to see how that works because I need you to see this for yourself. Amen. In the book of, uh, in the book of Leviticus chapter 23, there is the doctrine of first fruit. In this series, you're going to learn three things. You're going to learn about the doctrine of first fruit, the principle of first fruits, and the person of the first fruit. Everything that's written in the Old Testament is written about Jesus. Listen to what I'm about to say. God, all throughout the Old Testament, is telling a story of salvation. He's repeating the same story from different angles to communicate to his people that he's sending his son to save us. So everywhere you see anything about a male lamb or sacrifice or fine beaten flour or wine, it's speaking about Jesus in different capacities. In every part of the Old Testament story, Jesus is either center stage, backstage, stage left, stage right, but the whole story is about him. It's about him. In Leviticus chapter 23, verse 9, can you all read this? I need to get out your way. Y'all good? Okay. It says, then, it says uh, then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you enter the land I'm giving you and you harvest the first crop or the first fruits, bring the priest a bundle of grain from the first cutting of your grain harvest. Now, you say, what, uh, um, some translations say a sheave or this says a bundle. And, and today, how many of you know what a band of cash is? So, so it says, bring him a band. Right? The reason that I, 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 I default to the word band is because I read this in the Hebrew, and the word is actually sheaf. It's a, it's a bundling, but it's actually, in our time, it's a band. I want you to picture a band of cash. He says, so from the first money that comes in, from the first thing that comes to you, the first payment, the first he says, God wants a band of that. Or a couple bands or whatever you, right? From the first harvest. And verse 11 says, on the day after the Sabbath, the priest will lift it up before the Lord so it may be accepted on your behalf. So the order was you brought, you brought, or you, you cut your first harvest, the first part of your harvest. You took a sheaf, one sheaf of, of, of the, the, the wheat, or, or in this case it was barley. You, you band it together. You bring it to the priest. And you stand there while the priest takes it and waves it, waves it before the Lord. When he waves it before the Lord, it's accepted on your behalf. The priest waves it, but God says, this person is accepted. Why, is, why, why this acceptance? We're going to go some more. Verse 12. On the same day, you must sacrifice a one-year-old male lamb with no defects as a burnt offering to the Lord. Whenever you see a male lamb, one-year-old, no defect, that means perfect, it's talking about Jesus. With it, you must present a grain offering consisting of four quarts of choice flour moistened with olive oil. The choice flour is finely, um, is finely grain, uh, finely, um, what do you call it? Sifted, the cooksness, finely sifted flour, and the oil is from a, a beaten or crushed olive. Jesus was crushed, he was sifted, he was beaten. All these are images and pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, it says with it you must present a grain offering consisting of four quarts of, cho of choice flour moistened with olive oil. It must be a special gift. Everyone say a special gift. Special. That means this is an over and above offering. It's different from the other offerings. It must be a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Why an aroma? Listen to what I'm about to tell you. God smells what you do before God sees it. God smells what you say before God hears it. 
Okay. The strongest sense that you have, you were made in God's image and his likeness. Do you know you can stand in one state and smell a paper factory in another state? Your sense of smell is so strong that you can be in one part of the house. You don't, you're not hearing what they're saying in the kitchen, but you can smell it. So when the Bible speaks of the aroma, it speaks of the fragrance of what you're doing. And that's why some people's ministries are not accepted because they stink of ambition. And they funky with pride. You got it? And so while their gift is legitimate, and while you are looking saying, man, I wish I had that gift, what you don't understand is God has rejected the gift because he's the gift giver. But he rejects the gift because the vessel that carries it stinks in his nostrils. And so from time to time, God will test you with a moment where where I was at Breathe Atlanta last week, and when I got up to preach, I don't know if you knew this, but my, my notes didn't come up. And so for the first five minutes, I'm up there struggling, and I can't get myself together. I'm tired. I'm thinking to myself, I left there. I told my wife, that's probably the second worst message I preached in my life. My wife was like, what? But what God was doing, he was testing me. He's, he was testing my, my ego. He, he's, God checks your false self. The self, the self that you project because you said to God be the glory of God as long as you get the glory of God. So let's test that tonight. He doesn't test it every day. But if some days he would test it, you get up to sing your song and nothing works. Your, your voice won't act funny. Watch this. He's going to bless the people. The people, are gonna, the people are hearing it right, but you don't feel right about it. God wants to know, is does your aspiration, what you aspire to do, does your aspiration match my inspiration? Because God is inspiring them. He's touching him, but what you aspire to is different. So now God says, what's your motivation? Aspiration, inspiration, motivation. Here's what God, is the, is the, it spells out aim. What's your aim for ministry? Aspiration is what I want it to be. Inspiration is what the Holy Spirit makes it. Motivation is what's being tested. Why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? And so, so the, 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 Bible, the Bible says it's a, it should be a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. You must also offer one quart of wine as a liquid offering. I love this. A liquid offering is a drink offering. Literally is you get there uh, to the offering and you drinking real wine. You had a, you had a liquid offering last night? Okay. <clears throat> But watch this. But you pour, you, you got to pour it on the offering. It, it's a drink offering. You, you drink it right there and then you pour it out. So let's, get, let's go and we're going to talk about that. I have a whole lesson on that too, by the way. It says, listen to, look at verse 14. Do not eat any bread or roasted grain or fresh kernels on that day. Watch this. Until you bring this offering. The Lord says what the Lord says. Be careful when you, when you cut your first harvest. Do not satisfy yourself. Do not spend it on yourself. Do nothing for yourself until you bring this offering to your God. And here's what he said. This is a permanent law for you. Permanent law. It's, it's a custom. It's an it's a order. It's the way you must handle any increase you get. And it must be observed from generation to generation wherever you live. When you read this, it sounds like you said, people have argued with me, well, this is under the law, right? 
But what you need to understand about the law is that God gave laws because they work. And while we're not under the law, listen to this. Every law has a principle that must be extracted. Every law has a principle that must be extracted. So I just gave you the doctrine of first fruits. Now let me give you the principle of first fruits. In Romans chapter 11 and verse 16. Romans chapter 11 and verse 16. I don't know if, how, if you're keeping up with me or you're going to, I don't know how it's going to change. But you're, when you're changed, I'll start reading. No, you're not. Oh, there you go. They're getting there with me. They're going to catch up. Romans chapter 11, verse 16. Is it behind me yet? Okay, everybody say, you, I can see it. Here's what it says. Read it out loud with me. Ready? Let's read. If the dough offered as first fruits is... Uh-huh. Stop. Read that first part again. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the... Uh-huh. And if the root is holy... Now, understand this. I, I read to you from Leviticus the doctrine of first fruit. This is actually, this is called the feast of first fruits. It's the third feast mentioned in the long line of, fruit, of, of feasts in Israel, right? It was a part of, the, uh, of unleavened bread. It was a part of Passover, first fruits. It was the, watch this, it was, the, it was a Sunday, using um, Western terms, it was a Sunday after the Saturday Sabbath. And it had to be eaten on that, first, on that first day of the week. What story is God telling? First, there's a Passover offering. The lamb is slain. We enter into the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then on that Sunday, we initiate this thing called the Feast of First Fruit. And he says, you don't, you don't do it until you come into the land I promised you. That's, that, that's, the, that's the, uh, the doctrine. The principle is, here's what God says. Here's why you're doing it. Because the principle is... If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the rest of the dough, the rest of the lump. So, so I'm baking a bread. I, I make the, how, how do you make dough? I don't cook. How do you make dough? What do you do? What? Flour, water, and, and, and yeast, right? Baking powder, yeast, okay? So, so for it to rise. I need you, you knead it, right? Until it gets thick enough, right? So here's what God says. After you make the dough, before you make the bread for you, snatch a piece off from me. Bake that first. Once you order, he said, if you offer that to me first, by you, by you pulling it from the hole and baking it in the oven for me, you can take it to the priest and say, this is for the Lord. He says, when you make the journey to the priest and give him that first thing that's baked from that, he says, while you're doing that, the rest of the lump, the rest of the yeast that you picked it from, he says, I'm going to do something to that. Is everybody shot? It's a principle. The problem with many of us is that we function according to the systems and principles of this world. And in America, do you know what our gross, our, our, our GDP, our gross... What is it? Uh, gross domestic product. Do you know what the most of our money comes from? Anybody know? Debt. D-E-B-T. Debt. Our government needs us in debt. We don't make anything anymore. We don't produce. We're not a productive nation anymore. Our number one export is debt. 
And that's why the government does what it does. The government needs you in debt. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to speak into all of us. Uh, this church is, we, we, listen, I speak of us. We're going to be multiracial, multiethnic, multicultural. But for now, we're predominantly African-American. And the biggest issue is we are the biggest spenders of monies. And one of the brokest people groups in this nation. Because, watch this now, because we don't understand the principle of how systems work. Now, I'm going to make sure I keep this biblical because if I, if I stray from Scripture, you won't get the heart of God. But God is challenging you in this year. You, uh, I think it was Prophet Chanel that got up and, and gave a prophecy about this, the kind of year God wants us to be financially, right? When God speaks a word like that, it's a, it's a call to accountability. How are you spending your money? What are you doing with it? Uh, uh, when you become discouraged and bored, do you, do, do you go and spend time with the Lord and then go be productive? Or do you pull up uh, something on Netflix or, or, or BET Plus and binge? Meddling is what I'm doing. It's called, that's the word you're looking for. You're thinking he's doing something I don't know what he's doing. It's called meddling. Everybody say meddling. He's meddling. I am meddling. I'm meddling today. I'm, no, we're going to keep on meddling. If the dough, watch this now. So the understanding of fresh fruits, it, uh, uh, in the New Living Translation, it reads like this. It says, since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their descendants will also be holy. Watch this now. Their descendants have done nothing yet. Then the principle of first fruits, the way God set it up, God is trying to do something. Remember, God has a law. Let me take you back in history real quickly. God, the Bible says in the book of Psalm, that the heavens belong to God, but he's given the earth to the sons of men. So he gives the earth to the sons of men. Adam is set up to, to be the government, to have dominion, but Adam now breaches the covenant, breaches the contract, and he sins against God. Now God files a covenant lawsuit against Adam. And the covenant lawsuit says that I said to you, you don't touch this tree, and you did. Now we come in to repossess. People say, well, Adam gave the, the deed to, the, to earth to, the, to Satan. Okay, let's, let's, let's investigate that. If you buy a car, right, if you buy a car and you agree to make payments, follow me on, in, this, in this illustration. And somewhere along the line, you either choose to not make the payments or you can't afford to make the payments. Where does a car go? Back where? Does it go to your enemy? No. The enemy that didn't want you to have it. Do, do they get it? No. Well, it goes back where? So how, did, how could Adam give the deed to the earth to Satan when he didn't get it from Satan? The deed went back to God. But the problem is the principle in the earth was now Adam's dominion is compromised and Satan is coming into the earth and challenging him every step of the way. There's a curse hanging over his life. Notice now, God never cursed Adam and Eve. He cursed the ground for Adam's sake and he cursed Eve's childbearing, but he never cursed them. You get this? Now, follow, why this is critical is that now God is trying to find a way to rescue his family because his family is now trapped under a, under a curse. They're trapped under the curse that's in the earth. They're trapped under, watch this, they tra they're separated from him. Death is something new. Death is nowhere else in, but in the earth. 
Watch this. All of a sudden, things in the earth are dying. It started with Adam. Death started with him. Next thing you know, stars are dying out there in the universe because Adam broke covenant with God. There's a covenant lawsuit in place now, and it's been, it's been litigated through time. So God puts, God, watch this now, God understanding that he, when God sets a principle, we're going to talk about this later on, when God establishes a law, he subjects himself to it. Someone came after me because I stood in this pulpit and I said, well, God can't. And someone wrote me and said, God can do anything. Yes, including can't. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all got that? So, so when God said he's not going to do something, he can't do it. Listen to what I just said. When God said he's not going to do something, he can't do it. If God says, I will, if God says, I will not remember your sins anymore, he can't do it. He has, he has bound himself to can't. The problem is now, watch this, so, so God is in this situation where he needs to get his family back, but he cannot violate spiritual laws that he put in place to do it. So he introduces principles that these principles are critical to depend upon you. Enter the principle of first fruits. You say, Pastor, I'm just not good enough. I, I just, I don't know how to do this. Uh, I have this, this thing that came down through my family line, and I'm just, and God says, here's how it works. If the first part is holy. Automatically, the rest of it becomes holy. And so when I, I used to teach this, I, I wanted to have it today, I would bring a basket of bananas up. How many of you ever seen that illustration of the bananas? And so I, I would, I would if, if the people, there's some people in the room that have been with me for a minute. And so I would show them the bananas scarred and bruised, and, and they, we'll have like two or three good bananas. And so we'll say, we'll, we'll pick the, let's pick this one because it's the best looking one. We'll make this the first fruit. The rest of the bananas got damaged. They got black spots on them, but this one is perfect. Then the question was asked, is that a good batch of bananas or is it a bad batch? And the people say, well, it's bad. Look at those bananas. Say, ah, you don't understand the principle of first fruit. The principle of first fruit does not look at the whole. It looks at the part that was selected from the whole and given to God. The part that God touches, the, the part, watch this now, imagine this picture. You and God are holding on to this banana together. I give it to God, but God never divorces it from my life. The, the idea is you bring the barley, the first batch to the priest, the priest weighs it before God, God accepts you, and God says, we're not partners in this barley. In, in this case, we're not partners in this banana. And you say, well, what about the rotten bud? God said, I got that. Because what you did, watch this, you took, you took the first part of your harvest, you brought me the best part. Now the rest of the harvest that comes up is not going to be like that bunch. It's going to be like the one you gave. Yeah. This, this is so deep and there's so many principles involved in this. So, so I want to move from this quickly and I'm just giving you an overview before we teach into it. Um, so I've shown you for the most part the, the, uh, the doctrine now, the, the principle of the first fruit, I want to point you to the person of the first fruit because God had something in mind the whole time. God understood that even though, even though people will have good hearts, we're still flawed in hum our humanity. So God implements, God, watch this, I'm, I'm, I'm going to teach us how to do this. God takes the principle of first fruit and he applies it anywhere. The, the festival of first fruits is different. It, it, it's, it's held in a certain place. Okay, and if you want to implement it wherever you are, you can do it. But it's actually it's held over in Israel. But the principle of the first fruit can be applied anywhere. 
And so, and I'm going to show you later on in this lesson where God uses this principle all the time to rescue us from perishing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 19 and 20, Paul says, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most miserable. But look at verse 20. Verse 20 says this. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Is it behind me? No, not yet. Okay. Verse 20 says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have what? Fallen asleep. Is it there? In there? First Corinthians 15, 19. Are y'all, I can see your face. You're going. <laughs> Say something. Okay, what's. They, they're going to catch it. Let, let them catch up with me. This is something. Listen, and I want you to get, a, while they're working on this, I want you to get accustomed to this. Moving forward, you say, what's going to be different about Hunger Church? This is one of the things that's going to be different. I want you looking at the scriptures on the screen so you will know I'm not just telling you stuff. I want you to see it. I want you to hear it. I want you to wrestle with it sitting right here. That's, that's a part of it. Is it there? Is not there? Okay, I'm going to just read it to you. Uh, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 19 and 20 from the English Standard Bible, uh, in English Standard Version. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all, we have all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, and the Bible calls him the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. So Jesus is, is called the first fruit of those who rise from the dead. What does it mean? It means that, watch this, so the way Jesus got up to a new life with a new body... He died with a flesh and blood body. He was resurrected with a flesh and bone body. No blood. When Jesus came to the disciples while they were hiding from the Romans, he walks through the walls. He presents himself. Thomas like Thomas is saying, I will not believe until I touch you. And Jesus said, the matter of fact, they call him a spirit. And here's what Jesus said. A spirit has not flesh and bone as I do. He didn't say flesh and blood. But it stands to reason. Where did his blood go? And not only did he shed it, here's what we need to understand. You remember when Mary met Jesus in the garden, he said, don't touch me. I've not yet been to my father yet. So what, what did he mean? The, a part of the plan, he got up as a high priest. Jesus had to go to heaven where his blood had been collected. Here's a picture. He comes, he, cut, he raises from the dead. He tells him, I'm going to be back, but i got to go set up, up some business with you. He will, he will spend in the earth, I think, what is it, 40 to 50 more days? He's going to stay in the earth some more time. But he had something to do before he could interact with them. He was going to prepare them, and they will see him be caught up in a cloud. But before that, he will go to heaven. So he ascends to heaven, and imagine this. Remember the, oh, is, that, is Psalm 8? Lift up your head, O ye gates. Imagine this. He rises from the dead. He, he did his business in hell. Now he ascends to heaven. He, got to, he has to come back to the earth because he has to prepare his disciples. They haven't seen him yet. He goes to heaven. He walks through the gates. The everlasting gates open, and he's storming through. The angels are walking with him. There are goosebumps in heaven. The angels are like, oh, my God, because you need to understand something. God never let the angels in on the plan. The angels did not know he was going to be crucified. No one knew but God and Jesus. And so he comes walking through. He walks through. And when he comes up to the altar, he takes his blood and presents it to God. And according to the, how do we know this? Because it's the exact same thing that happened in the temple on a tabernacle on earth is happening in the temple in heaven. He sprinkles the blood. This is my blood 
for the remission of sin exactly as we planned it. And he's before God and the father's sitting there stoic, saying nothing, doing nothing, just watching him go through the ritual. When the whole thing is done, he says, sit down. The father, watch it, Jesus says, got some business to take, take, take care of. He comes back to the earth. He asks, he's, he's looking for the disciples. He has said, meet me in Jerusalem. He walks through the wall and there they are sitting cowering. He begins to rebuke them for their unbelief and begin to do business with them and teach them. He stayed with them and then one day they see him going up in a cloud. He comes back to heaven, walks through the same thing. He sits down in his place and he turns to the father saying, it's time. He said, okay. The countdown begins. And the countdown begins on the day of Pentecost. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he starts the Holy Spirit time to go. Holy Spirit goes out. Comes in the earth like a, mighty, a rushing mighty wind. Comes and fills the room and it all begins. It started with the first fruit. How many of you saw that picture? See, what, what happens to us, the, now we could come to church and talk about your needs. Or we could talk about the principles that will help you overcome these needs in the name of the Lord while growing spiritually. Are we, we, we going to have scriptures? No? No scriptures? Okay. They're working on it. Now watch this. So our foundational text lays out the principle of God's first fruit in a nutshell. If the first part of anything is set aside to God, the rest of that thing becomes holy unto the Lord as well. It is the will of God. Listen to this, that we understand that this principle of first fruit becomes what we need it to be when we employ it. Because it is, it is not primarily a monetary principle. Let me, let me speak to that for a second. So when they, when they were sharing first fruits on TBN and different things and having you give, sending them the money, they were getting rich off of your ignorance. I am in no way slandering any type of ministry, but I, I would prefer to throw them under the bus so you could understand that what they were doing was wrong. And when they were having these prayers at the time, they had literally billions of dollars in the bank. That's not what this is about. First fruits has a purpose in the kingdom of God. It has a purpose in our lives. But the principle of first fruits says that God wants to partner with us in our endeavors, assignments in the earth. There are some who teach that first fruits and the tithe are one and the same. I'm going to show you beyond a shadow of a doubt they are not. They're two separate offerings. They fall under two separate categories of giving. Okay. Now, the principle of first things um, is attached to all of life. Notice in Matthew 6.33, you know it by heart. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things. Whatever you do first affects all. Whatever you do first affects all. Say that out loud. Whatever I do first affects all. Let's say it together. Whatever I do first now, come on, I need you, I need you to be bold. We're going to be some front-footed confession. Whatever I do first affects all. Not all together. Whatever I do first, when I get up in the morning, I may not feel like praying, but I understand the principle of first fruits is at work even when I get up in the morning. I don't feel like it, but whatever I do first is going to affect all. It's impossible to have the same results if I'm prayerless and I'm, pray I'm prayerful. If I'm prayerful, I'm going to have one set of results. If I'm prayerless, I have another set of results. Why? Because of the principle of first fruits. Whatever you do first affects all. Whatever you put, put your attention first affects your whole self. You wake up in the morning, you grab your phone, you go to social media. No. If you're going to get your phone, look at your Bible on your phone. Why? Whatever you do first affects all. 
what, what says, if someone gives you some money and you say, man, I need this money. Be, listen, before you go and spend it on your satisfaction and spend it on yourself, remember what I, whatever I do first affects. Oh, come on. You will say it with me. Well, listen, whatever I do first affects. Say it again. Whatever I do first so you are in a financial crisis. He said, God, I've been praying about this, and you've not been doing anything. You know why? Because God does not want to fix the problem without you learning the principle. The principle, watch this now. The problem will recur if you don't employ the principle. And then even, watch this, I'm going to tell you what's going to be a powerful thing in your life, something I learned to say. When I start to employ the first fruit principle, Things will go badly wrong. And, things, and I'll say to the Lord, this is not my harvest. Shout that out loud. This is not my harvest. That's not a shout, but it will work. Try it one more time. You have got, even when you're feeling disappointed and discouraged that God has let you down, when things are going left and people are doing dumb junk, you have to learn to open your mouth and say, God, I did not sow this. This is not my harvest. This is not my... First fruit, first fruit says that whatever I do first affects all. Whatever I do first affects all. Whatever I do first affects Yeah, so my purpose in this lesson, in this series, is to clarify God's intent for the first fruit offering. Uh, there has, as I said before, there's been much taught about it over the years, and I want to make sure that we get it right. So first fruit means from the first harvest. You've been sowing your whole life in church. You've been sowing as long as you could remember. You even secretly har- harbor, I mean, um, uh, harbor in your heart a resentment towards the giving moment. You don't even believe it anymore. You, even, you just took some, took some change, put it aside, and you give it to God. You don't even believe that that, that has any impact on your life. Because you've been so disappointed. Because I'm going to tell you something. This is something you need to know. We have to consider how God functions. I'm about to let you in on a secret about your God. The Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed, the things that are revealed belongs to us and our children forever. What you need to understand about your God is that before, uh, before we understand what he does, he does it. God operates by principle. He governs the universe by established order that he himself set in place and he willingly submits to. I told you that. But watch this. He's committed to his principles. He does not wait until man understands them to operate them. So you will see God operating a principle in Genesis that he does not explain to Leviticus. God will do things in your life today and does not care that it confuses you. You will ask God a question today and not get your answer till five years later. And he will risk you being frustrated with him. He will risk you being angry with him. He will operate the principle repeatedly to the point where you can track it. And then five years later tell you this is what I was doing. I'm going to prove it to you. So, as, as, again, I said, God will deal with you according to principle even before you receive a revelation of that principle. For example, in Genesis 3.21. When Adam and Eve sinned, God covered them using a then unknown principle that was not yet revealed to them. So when God finds them naked, God, God approaches them, God goes, Adam, where are you? The rhetorical question was, not, God did not expect an answer. God wanted introspection. Where are you? 
Who have you become? Well, and Adam says, basically, he says, um, I'm over here behind the trees. I'm hiding because I'm naked. God said, well, who told you you're naked? Did you eat from the tree? Right? At the end of the discourse and God judging uh, uh, the serpent and then judging childbearing and judging the earth, for Adam's sake, the Bible says that God disappears and comes back and covers them with what? With what? With the skin of a lamb. We're so ignorant that we think that God went and manufactured skin. No, God went somewhere. Can you imagine the trauma of a lamb? The loving God approaches them. Love is approaching and the lamb is, is looking. Here comes God, the creator. And all of a sudden, life is over. God takes the skin. God goes back. And I believe you. I can't prove it. You can't disprove it. But I believe that God drapes it over them, still dripping in blood. What is he doing? What is God doing? Watch this. this is, it, gets, it gets crazy. This is Genesis. Exodus. In Leviticus. All this, God has literally destroyed the earth. <laughs> In Genesis 6, 7, 8, God, God destroys the earth. He, he, he makes covenant. He, he has delivered Israel from 400 years of slavery. A lot has happened. In Leviticus chapter 17, God finally decides to explain what he did. Here's what, here's what he said. The life of the flesh is in the blood. There can be no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. He did that. And never explained to them what he did. At least not in writing. He never explains to them what he did. He never told them. He just goes and gets, he slaughters a lamb, he gets the skin, he covers them, and now he says, here's what I want you to do. And here's how we know it. He says, I want you to, I want you to make offerings to me. We know it because of the, of the directive given to Cain and Abel. He wanted, he wanted a bloody sacrifice, Right? Where is it coming from? A principle that is nowhere on record till Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 17. How many of you getting this? So right now, God is operating in your life by principle, by principle you don't know. And one of the principles that he is operating by is the principle of first fruits. What have you been doing with the first stuff you get? And so somebody told you, so I, no, I, I've heard it for myself. You get a job and your first paycheck, all of it belongs to God. That's not how the principle works, and, and you should be relieved. <laughs> so put it, uh, uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 16 back on the screen. I want, to, I want to examine this. Romans chapter 11, verse 16. We're going to eliminate the mystery of first fruits, and I'm going to take about 15, 20 minutes to do this. Here's what it says. Read it out loud again. It says, if the door offered... Uh huh. Okay, so, so let's work this out. So, in scripture, you're going to find a lot of reference to first fruit that you've overlooked thinking that God was talking about the tithe. God never says first fruit when he means tithe, and he never says tithe when he means first fruit. They are not the same. As a matter of fact, let me help you out. I, I, want, I want to give you something real quickly. Um, though confused, often confused with the tithe, First fruit is a principle, listen to this, of sacrificial giving that is separate and apart or distinct from the tithe. I'm going to give you scripture in a minute. But I want to I give you three things, and you can take notes, and we're gonna, you're going to have joy in learning, okay? There are three types of giving in the kingdom. Listen, 
I didn't say three types of offerings. I said three types of giving. There are different types of offerings, but we're not talking about offerings right now. We're talking about giving. Okay? They're, number one, they're, 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 are, they're scheduled giving. There is spontaneous giving. And there's sacrificial giving. There is scheduled giving. There is spontaneous giving. And there is sacrificial giving. One more time. There, there is scheduled giving. There is spontaneous giving. And there is... Okay, get this. Scheduled giving is, is giving that recur. For example, when I tithe, it, no matter what I do for uh, where my money comes from, I always set up a, a, a payroll deduction of some kind to take out my tithe and take out my offering so I don't have to be bothered with it. I always set it, for example, if I make, if, if I make a, let's say I make $2,000, I always set it up to a schedule to give three or $400 as tithe and offering, 200 for the tithe and over and above. And then when I, when I feel really, really front-footed, I would tithe double what, what is owed to the Lord and give an extra offering. And, and I set it on a payroll deduction as a scheduled giving. So tithe and offering fall under schedule giving. I got to schedule it. Here's why. I'm scheduling my giving because I understand, like Pastor Jadarian said, that what God does, he puts his money in my... No. Come get this rebellious thing. I said it to, to warn me when it's time to end, and it just it had the nerve to alarm on time, interrupting my statement. As Pastor Dedarian told us, <laughs> as he told, watch this, God takes, this is important, I'm going to show you a scripture for all this. Please take this to heart. The tithe is the piece of money that God put in your income, in your increase, so that you could bring it back to him. And when you give him the 10%, he claims the 90 as his own too. Thereby giving himself permission to rebuke the devourer. When the devourer comes, because you say right, that's under the law, but the devourer is not under the law, he's still running around. So when I watch this, so when I when God gives me, let's say, now remember, it's not about income alone, it's increase. In America, because we're a debt society, we, we when we hear increase, we think income. But if you limit yourself to income, you miss out of what God wants to do. Your paycheck is only a portion of what God wants to give you. Matter of fact, I'm praying for us that our paycheck becomes seed. The money, I'm praying for you, if, if, if you operate in this wisdom and the things that God is going to reveal from this series, that your paycheck, at least a part of it, will become nothing but seed for you to bless people and your increase is a whole different system from your income. But here's what God says. He says, now, there's a difference between best and first. Let that sink in. Okay? The tithe is 10% of the whole. The first fruit is the first part or the best part of the first part. The tithe. Watch this now. I need 10 people up here behind me real quickly. Any 10. Come, 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 come. Any 10. Somebody count them for me. I got 10? Okay, I got 10. Thank you. 10 is a straight line. Right across the... 
Stand up straight like face the people. Okay. How many people we got up here? Give me one more. I need one more. Slide down, slide down, slide down. The owner see. Let me make sure I got it right. Three, six, nine. Okay, I got ten, right? Now watch this. Everybody face that direction in a straight line. Face that direction. Who's first? Okay, so he's first, right? Now out of out of out of ten, right? The tithe works like this. I could watch this. As a matter of fact, it worked. Let's say this is the first harvest. Let me do, do first fruit first. In first fruits, you say, well, you're giving God the first. That's not the way it works. In tithe, I take the first, and he becomes a tithe to God. Right? Why? Because he's what? Okay, go back here. But in the first fruit, I can go through the whole thing. And I can go. Watch this. I choose to give you. Why? Because, watch this. I'm, I'm going to show something. Because in my mind, the, the first fruit is a discriminate choice gift. It's a discriminate choice it's a what it's a discriminate means discrimination means that I separated this person for a reason it could be anything but I so the, to me this is the one I'm giving to God now watch this because I give the first fruit does not mean I still don't owe God the tithe I'm being obedient when giving God the tithe because the, God says uh, give me the first tenth. That's mine. But then I want you to say, but if it's the first check you got, I want the tithe, but I also want a discriminate gift that you choose. So I go through and I go. Watch this now. With that, the devourer is rebuked. With this, I sanctify the whole line. <laughs> now, here's the, here's the crazy part. With this, God marks me as obedient. With this, God says, this, this belongs to me. But with that, this talks about, what is not me giving to God. This talks about what's going to happen to the line. The whole line becomes holy. Everybody else go to your seat. I want to show you something. Everybody else but the one half right here. Everybody go to your seat. Go to your seat. Come. I need nine more people. I'm going to call him rich. Let's call him, we're going to call him wealthy. Everybody line up behind him in a straight line just the way he's facing. Count them for me. How many I got? Do I have 10? With hers, 10? Okay. So watch this. That's 11? Is that 11? They're just messing with you guys. Watch this. So remember now, what was he in the last line? He, he was first fruits, right? Now... What, so we wondering, so what kind of, now the first harvest came, we gave tithe off the front, we chose, we chose first fruit. Now the first fruit is governing everything else. So if we called him wealthy, what do we call him? And, 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 how? They, they, they did nothing. They weren't even a part of the first harvest. But whatever he becomes, everything in the line becomes. How many of you hearing God? Go to your seats. Thank you so much. Now watch this. The enemy wants you to think. Watch this. The enemy will tell you they just want your money. God does not need your money. God does, say God does not need my money. He does not need your money. First of all, most of us ain't got none. 
right? When I learned this principle, I was sitting in Houston, Texas, trying to figure out how am I going to finance what God is putting in my heart? The things I was seeing were so huge. And what was the money going to come? I heard this and I thought to myself, oh, my God. But there's another part of first fruit giving that scared the bejesus out of me being an introvert. Because in most cases, especially as it's presented in the Feast of First Fruit, the first fruit offering is a public gift. You can sow your tithe in secret, but you got to declare your first fruit. Even if it's before a group of friends and family. My father was a Hittite. My mother was an Amorite. We came from nothing. My testimony is like this. I came from the Virgin Islands, rogue and rebellious. Went to Miami and found myself on the street homeless. And the Lord God, by, by some divine order, got me into a recruiter's office, put me in the military. I'm in the military serving overseas. Now he, and now after all these years, here I am. I used to walk down the streets in Miami, going to Biscayne Boulevard to catch a bus, trying to figure, I see a car for $3,000 and go, when will I ever be able to afford a car? Because I, I was barely having enough money to catch the bus. And now all these years that God's hand has been in my life and I've been obeying the Lord, now I, when I saw first fruit, I said, I am the man that you found homeless with nothing. And here you've given me everything. I got two houses. I got a ranch. I got a studio. I got all this stuff. You've given me honor. You get, you've restored me when I thought, you are the God that's worthy of. Let me show you something. And when you give your first fruits, you're not just giving first fruits out of like, I'm, hey, here's the money. No, you're saying to God, you found me when I was lost. No one cared about me. They gave up on me. But you. Yeah. There is so much in this series. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3 19. Everyone standing. We go. We, I'm, I'm done for the day. Did you, are y'all getting this? Can y'all see where we're going? We have property that we have to acquire for the kingdom. going to negotiate I like that address I think something about it that keep looking at it I, I like it I like it I went by the building the other day myself and Terry and um, I was meeting Terry there to give him some paperwork and I was walking in front of the building and when I came up in front of the building I was startled by a young man sitting on the front of steps of the building. And I was on the phone and the Lord says, pray for him. And I turned to him. He, he had his coat behind him like he'd been laying down. All this stuff was laid out on the thing. He looked homeless. And I said, hey, I was on the phone. I said, hey, can I pray for you? He looked up at me with tears in his eyes. He said, yes. I said, I'll call you back. I hung up on the phone. And I walked up to him. I said, stand up. He stand up. He's looking at me. He's a thug. And I'm going to tell you something. Don't laugh at me. I never leave the house in a do-rag. 
I am out there in this jacket, a do-rag, Atlanta hat, looking like a whole thug. And, I, and I'm thinking, as I'm talking to the guy, he must be thinking, what is this, some kind of setup to rob me? So I said to him, I said, what's your story? He tells me I was just fired. And he, was just, he said, I just got kicked out. I, have nowhere to go. I don't know what I'm going to do. He's in tears. I called my guy. I said, hey, Mr. you got money? He said, no. I said, I'm going to cash out you some money. Go to the ATM. Bring me. I need a couple hundred dollars. He brings the money. The money comes. While, while he's coming, my phone rings again. I told the guy, hold on for a minute. It was, I had to take the call. It was an attorney. I, I, I talked to the attorney. And uh, Terry comes. And I said, I said, go give him the money, but pray for him first. I don't even know if Terry does evangelistic ministry. He did that day. He did tell you all about. It. Yeah, he's, Terry goes over to the guy. I'm, I'm, I get off the phone with the guy. I walked up to him. I said, hey, and, and, and he's ministering to him. And I, said, I said, look at me. I said, it's not a coincidence that you met us here. This is the Lord, and it's, 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 it's a strategic moment for you. We led him to Christ, sold the money into him, and he says, he says, what church are you? I said. Just remember hunger. He goes, hunger, that's easy to remember. I said, yeah. And he said, where are you guys at? I said, if all things go, as planned, we're going to be right here. He looked around, he goes, but there's nobody in here. I said, my point exactly. I said, if you can't find us where we are, we're married right now, but if you can't find us where we are, I said, meet us right here. How many know that that was not a coincidence? How many believe that God is, how many believe that God, we are, we are on God's radar? Why don't you give him a praise right now because he sees us? God sees us. He sees where we are. He sees what we're doing. God, we thank you. We bless you. I want to show you this before we go. On Orthodox Sunday. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Matter of fact, the King James says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all your produce. The King James says, with all your increase. That means, now watch this, this is a directive from God. Why? Because there's a principle in the books. And the principle says, if you, watch this, if you, if you do not honor me, if you do not honor me with the first fruit of your produce, then the, the, then the devourer, the, 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 um, the devil, the enemy, the, the earth will not know who you belong to or what you prioritize. When you, when you implement first fruits, what you're saying is, I am blessing, I, I, put, I pinch off a, a portion, I give it to God, I sanctify, I give it to God, and then God looks at the rest of your harvest down the years and God says, okay, this came from that, so all of this is holy. And right now you're in financial trouble. And they send you, I see an eviction notice. Um, and you had it before you paid it, but this time you, your, your, your hookup is not coming through for you. And you're distraught and you wonder what you're going to do. I don't care if it's a dollar. <laughs> I don't care what you have. You can designate a first fruit at any time. Say, God, I squandered the money, but this is what I have left. And I want to, I want to take this and, and watch this, sanctify this as the harvest is coming. And I'm going to give it to you. With those words, you literally make covenant with God concerning what's to come. Here's what he says. 
when you honor, you, you good, when you honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruit of all your prudence, he says, then, then, everybody say then. Yes. The King James says, so shall. In other words, the one thing produces the other thing. You do that first part in verse 9, verse 10 happens. Then your barns, wait a minute, most of you don't have barns. You have baskets. The Bible speaks in the Old Testament of barns and baskets. The basket is what I live from. The barn is what I store. The basket is what I spend. The barn is my, my surplus. Many of us don't have surpluses. We go from paycheck to paycheck. We, we struggle. We're in a struggle because we don't have barns. Here's what God says. He says, if you honor me with your wealth, what you, what's your wealth? Your wealth right now could be $10. He says, you honor me with that. And you remember, you say, well, did I have to give him the whole thing? No, I promise you, I'm going to teach all the way through this. It's going to make so much sense to you. You're going to be teaching your family members. Watch this. He said, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will burst out with new wine. Watch this. What God is going to do in your life, and you say, you say well, Pastor, you know, I've heard teaching about this before. Nothing happened. You, we are going to do this responsibly. What's the word? In other words, according to the level of your faith. You saw me go through the line and pick one. It's a discriminate gift. What it means is whatever you choose, the, the order is I take the best of the first, not the whole first. I take the best. What I decide is the best. Different standards. My standard may be I just like I, I, he had braids and red shirt. Maybe I like the red shirt. I don't know. But I picked that. And when I give that to God, here's what God says. Okay, now the deal is on. I hear the Lord saying with you, the deal is on. Turn to somebody, tell them the deal is on. No, the deal is on. With whom? With me? No, with God. Father, bless your people. Because our understanding is to expand. I declare in the name of Jesus over your people that God understanding becomes their portion and wisdom flows into their hearts. Lift everyone lifting your hands to the Lord, lifting your hands to the Lord, lifting your hands to the Lord, lifting your hands to the Lord. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, we talk about three different types of giving. There's, we said there's, there's scheduled giving, right? There's spontaneous spontaneous giving and the sacrificial giving the spontaneous part is when the Holy Spirit says to you it's time to give now if he doesn't speak to you don't do a thing if he doesn't speak to you do not move don't do a thing but if he speaks to you I want you to begin your you begin your journey today 